If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the book of Matthew. We're going to be in the 26th and 27th chapter. Twenty-sixth and the twenty-seventh chapter of Matthew. The topic of my message this morning is something that I believe every one of us in this room, including me, can identify with. But at the same time, we can identify with it. It is something we really don't want to talk about. And that is failure. Every one of us, has failed sometime in our life. I know sometimes people said, well, I don't know, preacher. I said, trust me. I think every one of us sometime in our life has failed. And it's something that many times when we fail, we really, sometimes we don't want to admit it. Sometimes we just kind of bow our heads and cringe. Sometimes we fail and we can laugh it off, you know, uh, not taking light of it, but just say, yep, I messed up, you know, and, and learn from that. But what do we do when we fail? Sometimes I believe Satan works overtime during those times in our life where we have failed. This is when Satan really attacks. He's always attacking, but when he can see a weak moment where we have failed, I believe this is where Satan really works. Because think of some of the emotions. Think of some of the things you feel when you realize you messed up, you failed, you didn't do what you said you were going to do. Sometimes we're embarrassed. Sometimes they say, well, how can people accept me when I have failed? in this situation. And Satan's back there behind you just saying, yeah, you're the lowest of lows. In Matthew chapter 26 and 27, we find three different stories of people who failed. And an interesting thing, you read through the Bible, guess what? It's a list of people who have failed. A list of people who have failed. Think of it. David, did he fail? Yes. Did Moses? Did he fail? I mean, just go down the list. They failed. This morning, as we think about that, that failing, that thought of failing just sometimes paralyzes us. Sometimes when we've realized we failed and other people might find out, we sometimes become paranoid. We become where we just just withdraw. So the most important thing that I believe we need to learn this morning is how do we deal with failure? You know, we can be the ostrich that sticks our head in the sand and just say, I'm not coming out. <laughs> this is, you know. Or we can say, okay, I have failed. Also realize you're not the only one that has failed. And God works with people that have failed. So as we look at this this morning and we think about it, uh, you know, as we think of God's word, um, this morning I want you to, first of all, I want us to start kind of in a backwards motion. Uh, so start in the 27th chapter and go down to verse 11. 27, 11. Matthew 
Matthew 27, 11. Here we're going to read about the story of Pilate. Okay? Now Jesus stood before the governor. Are you the king of the Jews? The governor asked him. Jesus answered, you say so. While he was being accused, the chief priest and the elders, he didn't answer. Then Pilate said to him, don't you hear how much they are testifying against you? But he didn't answer him on even one charge, so that the governor was quite amazed. At the festival, the the governor's custom was to release to the crowd a prisoner they wanted. At that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, Who is it you want me to release for you? Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew it was because of envy that they had handed him over. Go down to verse 19. While he was sitting on the judge's bench, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with that righteous man. For today I suffer terrible in a dream because of him. The chief priest and the elders, however, persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to execute Jesus. The governor asked them, which of these two do you want me to release for you? Barabbas, they answered. Pilate asked them, what should I do then with Jesus, who is called Christ? They answered, crucify. Then he said, why? What has he done wrong? But they kept shouting all the more, crucify. When Pilate saw this, he was getting nowhere. When he saw that he was getting nowhere, but that a riot was starting instead, he took some water, washed his hands in front of the crowd, and said, I'm innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourself. One of the first things I want us to see as we look at the story of Pilate, Pilate failed because he was overwhelmed by peer pressure. He was overwhelmed with the pressure that the religious leaders were giving him. Have we ever failed because of peer pressure? Because people are insisting or telling us that this is what we need to do. And and, and, and so we lean in or we give in to that. But even Pilate was trying to get out of it. He interviewed Jesus himself and talked to Jesus. But he saw, I believe, Pilate did, that this man was innocent. It was a religious problem And also the religious leaders were throwing their problem at Pilate because Pilate was the only one that could issue a death sentence. And he was the only one that could do that. He came in to that pressure. But we find that Pilate, he questioned the accusations personally. He did inquire about Jesus being the king and and, and those things. He tried to substitute another prisoner, which was common practice of that day, to to, uh, have another prisoner chosen to be released. We also find that even Pilate listened to his wife who sent him a note, said, look, 
you don't, you don't want to deal. You don't want to have anything to do with this man. He's causing me to have these dreams and, and, and have these headaches. Uh, he also, we find, Pilate appealed to the crowd. And as he appealed to the crowd, there were those that, that you know, they had their minds made up. They had been told what to say and what to do and not really realizing what they were choosing. And sometimes what we find, I believe, Pilate in in this situation is that Pilate forgot who the real, the, the real majority was. Rome was still the majority. Even though the religious leaders were loud and the religious leaders of people, and they were always worried that these people would rally up against, and we all know that Rome would immediately put out force. In other words, people would be killed. And so because of all of that, Pilate gave in to the pressure that he faced. Think about us. Is that sometimes something that we face? Peer pressure? I believe it is. And when we face that, what are we going to do? Then I want you to turn over to Matthew 27 again, and let's look at the first 10 verses. Matthew chapter 27, the first 10 verses. In this situation, we're going to see the story of Judas. Look at Matthew 27. It says, When daybreak came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people plotted against Jesus to put him to, put him to death. After trying him up, tying him up, I'm sorry, they led him away and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that Jesus had been condemned and was full of remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. I have sinned by betraying the innocent blood, he said. What's that to us, they said. See to it yourself. So he threw the silver into the temple and departed. Then he went and hanged himself. The chief priest took the silver and said, It is not permitted to put it into the temple treasury since it is blood money. They conferred together and bought the potter's field with it as a burial place for foreigners. Therefore, that field has been called blood field to this day. Then what was spoken through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. They took the 30 pieces of silver, the price of him whose price was set by the Israelites, and they gave them all, and they gave them for the potter's field as the Lord directed them. Now, think of Judas. How did he fail? Judas failed and was what? Was an overwhelming amount of sorrow came over Judas. Did the sorrow get Judas off the hook, some people will ask. Well, he was sorry. But you know, there's a difference between remorse and repentance. And what we find here, I think Judas at this point had remorse for what he had done, where he had failed. 
But did he have in the sense that he sought repentance? And where we look at this, and only our Lord God knows the, the exact of how all that works out, because he took his life, it leans us to that he did not receive the joy of the Lord through repentance. And so, again, sometimes we fail, and we fail because of, of an overwhelming sorrow. We know what we did. We know that it was wrong. We just allow that, that, that emotion and all of that, just that overwhelming thought come over us to the point that we feel we are worthless. And, oh, that's a vulnerable time, isn't it? That is a vulnerable time in our world today. We need to see that, yes, we should have feelings of regret uh, or remorse, but we also need to see that we need to repent. When we see that we have messed up, that we are full of sorrow, we need to come to our loving God and say, God, I am sorry. Please forgive me. That's the difference of remorse and repentance. Remember when you read Psalms 51, we find Nathan confronting David, who had failed big time. He had failed. It cost people's lives. It changed people's lives. And some of the things that David had to do was like he had to realize the sin that he committed. It was really more than one, but the sins he committed. David had to learn to go back and get on his knees and appeal to a God of mercy. He had to look to the Messiah. He, he had to ask God to break and heal him. All those things David had to do. But you see, a lot of times Satan comes in our ear and says, No, what you've done is so horrible. And many times the things we've done, yes, but is there anything in the Bible that would stop God from forgiving us? You know, sometimes we, we think, well, God's not able to do this. Well, let's check that. As we think about that this morning, what God is able to do what? He is willing to forgive us. He is willing to, to take us and to restore us into our life. You know, we, we, we find that with, with Judas, you know, we see some evidence of repentance where he confessed and where he sinned. But sometimes we forget that God is bigger than our troubles. And in, in the end, only God can dig us out of our pits. You know, sometimes we have dug a hole. <laughs> We've dug a pretty deep hole sometimes. But God is so good at getting us out of those holes. This morning, uh, those of you that were here Wednesday night, and I kind of hesitate in saying this, but those of you that were here Wednesday night, as you know, St. Matt's is back from their quarantine. And uh, they had a lot of new faces, had a big crowd of them. But a couple of the guys... Are repeating. In other words, they've had difficulty and they're back in the program from the beginning. One of them talked to me afterwards 
He said, I feel ashamed. I feel like I've messed up. And he said, I know I have. But will my brothers accept me? What we need to realize that when we realize we've messed up and we're worried about what everybody else is going to say, that's where Satan feeds. Isn't it? Amen? That's where Satan feeds. What should we be concerned about? What God thinks. And God looks at us as a creature that, that has a sinful nature, and if we're willing to repent to him, he takes us in. What about the prodigal son? Look what he did. And what did the father do? He stood out there and waited and hoped. Our father today does the same thing for us, and he, he is there for us. And sometimes we are in those pits, and, man, we have dug them deep. But our Lord lowers that cross and takes us out and makes us whole again. Then I want you to turn... Now to Matthew 26, I tell you we're going backwards. Uh, people have told me sometimes my sermons are like that, backwards. But, but Matthew 26, and let's begin with verse 69. In Matthew, where am I? Matthew 26, beginning with... Verse 69. Now Peter was sitting outside the courtyard. A servant girl approached him and said, You were with Jesus the Galilean too. But he denied it from everyone. I don't know who you're talking about. When he had gone out to the gateway, another woman saw him and told those who were there, This man was with Jesus the Nazarene. And again he denied it with an oath. I don't know that man or the man. After a little while, those standing there approached and said to Peter, You really are one of them, since even your accent gives you away. Then he started to curse and to swear with an oath. I don't know the man. Immediately, a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken be. For the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went outside and he wept. We find that even Peter failed because he was overwhelmed with what? Some would say he was overwhelmed with pride. Others, not me, it's not going to happen to me, Lord. And sometimes we even do that today. Sometimes maybe it's the preacher preaching, maybe it's Preston preaching, and we said, oh, I don't want to hear that. I, that'll never happen to me. <laughs> How many times I've heard that? And guess what? That very thing is what happened. You know, a lot of times we, we need to see today in, in our world, Peter had a, a rare opportunity to stand up for Christ in this moment. But again, his pride and his, and I think, just scared that it would cost him his life. And, and we find that even in that, he failed in standing in that moment of who Jesus truly was. Now, again, 
We know a lot of this was predicted, and this is the way it was to take place. But at the same time, it shows us, even us today, sometimes we're in certain crowds. Sometimes we're in certain groups. Sometimes we're with certain people. And, we, and if we say that we're a Christian, we know that they're going to hold that against us. Are we bold enough to say, hey, I'm a Christian? And maybe deep down say, I don't really care what you think, but, you know, or maybe we are concerned of what they think. Well, I go to church. Is that different? Yeah. You know, it, 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 it just reminds us that Peter failed because he was overwhelmed with this excessive amount of pride. But as we look at Peter and we look at Pilate and we look at Jesus, I, I want you to see that, that there is a road after failure. There is a road after failure. Now, hopefully, we don't have to fail to find this road, but, but even after failure, there is a road. I, I found this little phrase. I don't remember where I was reading found this, uh, but, it, but it said, Our God specializes in hitting straight licks with crooked sticks. Uh, can you repeat that? Uh, our God specializes in hitting straight licks with crooked sticks. Guys, every one of us, including myself, we're crooked. We're crooked. But isn't it amazing that God can take a crooked stick and hit a straight lick? Only God can do that. And that's what I'm, I'm trying to see today. Failure is something we need to deal with. I know a lot of times the tendency is when we fail, we don't tell anybody about it. We put our heads in the sand. Uh, we just kind of back up and, and, and just act like nothing has happened. But when failure comes, one of the things that, that I was reminded, even Judas did this, and even Peter, after a little while, they remembered the word of the Lord. After they had failed and, and gone through the pain and all those things, even Judas, I believe, remembered what the Lord had said. And Peter, too. And, and, and so we need to see, I think that's very important, that when we fail, and we will, let's remember the word of the Lord. And, and the word of the Lord never says, okay, those that are perfect shall enter the, 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 you know, the heavenly kingdom doesn't say that. Now, it also reminds us that the need of a spirit of brokenness. I think Judas was to a certain extent, and, and Peter. And, I, you know, I know some people say, well, you, you're really going to have to be broken. But, again, we, we get into emotional things and, and, and that. But a spiritual brokenness before God, that is between you and God. And then... When we fail, we need to see that we need to remember the word of God. We need to experience a, a period of brokenness before God. And, and then we need to stay in the group. In other words, what if Ju Judas, and I know some of the, the 12, you know, they, they probably had, well, you messed up. And yeah, he did. But when we mess up, when there's failure, we usually what? Isolate, withdraw. Because we're not proud of ourselves at that moment. We're, we're ashamed to a certain extent. 
But we really need to see, and this is where the test of a child of God is that where we feel that we can come back to the group and say, hey, I messed up, I'm sorry, but I need you right now. I need this group of believers to help me, to pray for me. You know, many times, what do we do with our wounded? We stab them. We throw them to the side. Or in LaBelle fashion, we just shoot them. Guys, we need to see that we've all been wounded at times, haven't we? We have been wounded. And, 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 and if we cannot come to the body of Christ, something's wrong. And we need to see that if we're the body of Christ, we need to be careful sometimes that we're, that we're not so judgmental that we're not there to love one another. When we fail, the hardest people to face up to is the church people. It shouldn't be. We need to realize that we all have failed and we need to come to God's saving grace. And as we, I said a moment ago, the Bible is filled with people that are broken, people that have failed. But if we come back to God, God is there to give us his grace. And we have a God of second chances and thirds and fourths. And so this, this should inspire us to pray for the power to overcome when temptation comes near. And when it does, we, we need to see how we need to come back to the church, back to a bunch of believers. There was a lady, she was married through the course of time. She had an affair with her next door neighbor. In time, the next door neighbor and this lady well, the lady realized she was pregnant. She didn't want to tell her husband. She didn't want to tell the man that she had the affair with. She definitely didn't want to go to her church and say anything. She had an abortion. Then the guilt and everything else came upon her to the point that she wanted to take her life. Because she said, look what I've done. Look what I've done. I've ruined my life. I've ruined my family's life. I've ruined this neighbor's life. I've just ruined all these things. And I definitely can't go back to my church. What would you tell a lady like that? You know, a lot of times there have been ladies who have had abortions, and they do not tell people because they know the guilt and the, what, that stigma will be upon them. What will God do? If a person generally comes before him and asks for forgiveness, God does what? He forgives them. As man, though, sometimes we have a little hard time about it, don't we? We want to judge them. That's not our place. It's not our place. They will pay for what they've done, but we need to also see that as Christ taught his disciples, he's teaching us to what? To forgive in the name of the Lord. Love. So when we fail, realize, hey, I failed. I messed up. Admit it. 
Go to God. Confess your sins to Him. Allow Him to put you. He knows what road now you need to be on. He'll put you on that road, the road that you need. And He will guide you if we're willing to what? Let go and let God work in our lives. Failure? Yes. Forgiveness from the good Lord? Oh, yes. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we just ask that you would guide us. And Lord, that we would see that even in our failures, Lord, that we can come to you and ask for that forgiveness. And God, how over and over you've used people who have failed before. And Lord, how you've led them and they've listened to you and received the forgiveness that they need. Lord, help us today to see the same and to do those things in our life. Lord, not look at failure, say, well, preacher said everybody does it, that's my excuse. But Lord, that we would see the need to be forgiven and to work with you in your son's name. Amen. We invite you to stand as we sing.